And I think that's been important because sometimes the right idea for the restaurant might not be the right idea for retail and vice versa. St. Elmo Steakhouse, if we sold St. Elmo Steakhouse pumpernickel bread, we would sell a strange amount of pumpernickel bread in Indiana because we put our name on it, but at the same time, we're cheapening the brand. So we very much tried to stay true to the brand and be authentic. And if we do something in retail, there has to be a reason why. It has to be a top performer. There's got to be a story about it. There has to be some reason that that product exists, and it can't be because we can make money on it. Welcome to Uncooked, a podcast serving up raw insights for marketers as we hear the unfiltered truth from industry experts, brands, and the target audiences we serve in their own words. I'm your host, Jacqueline Lieberman, and today on Uncooked is my guest, Bryn Jones. He is a self-proclaimed shrimp cocktail hype man and the VP of Marketing and Retail at House Culinary. He's head of marketing for a family of restaurants, most notably St. Elmo's Steakhouse, an Indianapolis landmark. St. Elmo's was rated by Forbes as one of 10 great classic restaurants well worth visiting. Bryn's been working really hard to offer some of their famous sauces, rubs, and their latest ready-to-drink cocktails so we can all have the St. Elmo's experience at home. Today, he helps answer and we talk in depth about can you really bottle an experience? Well, lots to get to. Let's dig in and find out. Hey, Bryn. Welcome to Uncooked. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about marketing and all fun and interesting things. The shows that I've listened to, definitely authentic. I think you have very much a no BS approach. (laughs) I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm going to make up a lot of shit in this call, so hopefully you can call me out on some of it. That's awesome. I'm at least going to test you on it. That's good. What I'm going to do is start with your title. One of the best titles I've seen on LinkedIn, it says that you are the shrimp cocktail hype man. So I feel like we should just start the podcast right there. Tell me about that title. I think any marketer should just be able to make up your own title. Essentially, that's what I've done there. But St. Elmo's famous for its shrimp cocktail. In our company, we've got multiple different brands. We've got retail CBG products. We've got four different restaurant brands. So we're very much a restaurant focused brand. But all of that said, the shrimp cocktail is the thing that everybody talks about. That's what gets us on the Today Show and Two nights ago, ESPN had a nationwide broadcast. The two biggest college basketball games that were going that day, that's what they talked about on the broadcast. And we delivered shrimp cocktails. So essentially, I've just kind of taken that thing that everybody wants to talk about anyway and leaned into that. But it's basically just a joke. There's somebody on my team, somebody came up to him and said, you guys actually pay for somebody to be your shrimp cocktail hype man? He's like, that's got to be the coolest job ever. (laughs) And he's like, no, that's my boss. He's just an idiot. Don't take it too seriously. (laughs) Right, exactly. Don't mind him. It's still the best title. Thank you. You got to do something differently. Like everybody's title is like VP of this or director of that. And it's like, turn somebody's head, have some fun with it. Well, that's exactly what happened and probably why you're here right now. So it totally worked. For my listeners who's not in the Indianapolis area, introduce everybody to St. Elmo's Steakhouse. St. Elmo Steakhouse, old school classic steakhouse. It's been there since 1902. So well over a century, 120 plus years in the same location. So it's just this icon of Indianapolis type of spot. It's just been there forever, but at the same time, always trying to reinvent ourselves. What can you do to change to drive your business and push it a little bit forward? That's what we really have always been focused on. We were the first restaurant in Indiana to be on open table. How can you embrace technology push your brand forward and do things to stay relevant 
whether it's cutting edge contemporary, how do you infuse those elements into a steakhouse where the menu hasn't really changed in a hundred years? We still have the same cut, the mead, and that's kind of what St. Elmo is. But James Beard, America's classic. For those that don't know James Beard, it's kind of like winning the Lifetime Achievement Award for the Grammys. St. Elmo has, has got that top 10 classic restaurant in the world to visit. An article that Forbes mentioned us in, in that list. Just kind of old school, iconic, classic steakhouse in a somewhat small Midwest town. I love it. I've been on their site. And first of all, it's like a feast for the eyes. But then I also love when you talk about old school, the bartenders are wearing the bartender outfit from like the 1920s, the bow tie and the rolled up sleeves and the vests. It just looks very cool to just be there. We've had countless requests. Will you franchise St. Elmo? And put one in LA and San Francisco and Vegas and New York and Chicago and everywhere else. Our owners, Craig and Steve, have always just pushed back because like St. Elmo is one of a kind. There's only one. They've always turned down those offers because even though it would be a pretty easy money grab, just the authenticity isn't worth it. How do you replicate an experience when you're being served by somebody who's been there for 30 years and has 30 years of stories to infuse into your meal? That's been really a focal point to where as long as Steve and Craig are at the helm, they'll always only be one St. Elmo. But we have been able to extend the brand beyond that with retail products, whether that's cocktail sauce, we're making our own spirits in a 375 milliliters. We've got four different cocktails that are ready to pour cocktails like an old-fashioned espresso martini. So those are things that we've been able to kind of take the brand beyond just the Indianapolis experience and ship that all over the U.S. Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to get into the ready-to-drink cocktails. Let's talk about this shrimp cocktail sauce that it does say very hot, very spicy. So it's already setting your expectations and making the back of your mouth have that little like ding in there. What's going on with this cocktail sauce? It's a fairly simple recipe. It just has weird amounts of horseradish in it. And it's not something like we've done it as a hook to get people to talk about us on social media. It's the way that it's always been. It goes back to the original guy that opened up the restaurant. 40 years, he had it. So from 1902 for the next 40 years, somewhere in there is when, is when they created it. You can see on some of the photographs of the original location with Joe Starr, who's the founder, it says shrimp cocktail, five cents. So it goes back to where a jumbo shrimp cocktail with four pieces of shrimp is on the menu for five cents, 10 cents, things like mm-hmm. that. So it it goes back that far, but it just has half of the recipe of the cocktail sauce is basically horseradish. For those that don't know horseradish, when you hear spicy or heat, it's not like a ghost pepper. If you eat a bunch of that, it's going to hurt you today and it's going to revisit you tomorrow. It's a bad experience for maybe a day and a <laughs> half. Whereas the cocktail sauce, it hits you like super hard in the nose and kind of in the eyes. Mm. And you think your brain is melting for about four seconds, and then it kind of goes away almost as fast as it came. So it's a really unique experience. And we're just over the top horseradish because that's mm-hmm. the way that it's always been. If you're a hippopotamus wrestler, it's like you've won on social media if that's what you do, because people will want to see the content that you're creating. Whereas with us, we've frankly just kind of gotten lucky that our product is something that people want to share and talk about and experience and share with your mother-in-law that's never had our (laughs) cocktail sauce before and get that reaction on video. So yeah, it's just a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. Even just the pictures from the website, it's like mostly white in color and then there's like red in there. 
you could tell there's a lot of horseradish. Can you talk a little bit about the founding of St. Elmo's Steakhouse? What do you know about the origin story about this person who opened it up and ran it for 40 years? So St. Elmo, from an origin standpoint, is the patron saint of sailors, which is fairly ironic considering that Indianapolis is the most landlocked city. There's no port here. There's one river that kind of goes through the city, just kind of an average river. But he was an avid sailing fan. That's where the idea from St. Elmo came from. So there's definitely some ties to Indianapolis about that. And there's the Soldiers and Sailors Monument and on Monument Circle. He was a big fan of sailing. And that's where it stemmed from. So Joe Starr's Tavern, St. Elmo Steakhouse. Old school classic restaurant that we've been reinventing from our group standpoint the last 35 years. I see a lot of patients at play here with what makes St. Elmo so special. Being around since 1902, it seems natural to evolve as the decades march on. However, sometimes great brands stand the test of time by changing literally nothing at all. Don't you love when you walk into an establishment and you just feel the history oozing out of every detail? It takes great discipline to resist the urge to franchise when you have a really good thing going. Sometimes a brand experience just can't be replicated or delegated. But what St. Elmo's managed to do was lean into the aspects of the restaurant that got their people talking, like the cocktail sauce with weird amounts of horseradish and their top-selling cocktails. Such a smart retail move that really does extend the St. Elmo's brand way beyond the physical walls and into people's homes. Next, Bryn talks about the value of letting sales data be your guide when it comes to making retail decisions. Let's talk about how you mentioned before you have decided to expand the St. Elmo's brand into your spirits. So out of all the experiences of a restaurant, what made you choose Spirits? St. Elmo Steakhouse is the spot. If you flew into Indianapolis and you were getting an Uber from the airport to downtown and you said, hey, I've only got one meal, where do I need to go tonight? St. Elmo is going to come up typically nine times out of 10 and probably Harry and Izzy's, our companion restaurant, would maybe hopefully be the other one. So it's just always kind of been that relatable thing that people want to talk about, but it's not inexpensive. We are buying the best cuts of steak that you can get. I mean, we're doing prime and dry age and wet age steaks. And I mean, some of them, like there's a tomahawk, it's like a 15 inch steak that weighs, you know, like two pounds almost. So the experience is not exactly inexpensive, right? Well, this was a way that you could have that same flavor that we're putting on our steaks by buying our seasoning and maybe putting it on a steak at home or even on chicken or hamburgers. And we've always tried to keep our retail products very approachable so that it's not this premium luxury brand. I mean, our spirits, even now with inflation and everything else going on, espresso martini and cosmopolitan. I mean, those two are on the shelf for under $30 in most stores. And you're going to get probably 10, 12 pre-made steakhouse quality cocktails out of that bottle. So we've tried to be a good value. We're certainly not a value brand, but we wanted to make sure our pricing is approachable. That way more and more people can try it. And for us, it allows us to capitalize on some of that brand exposure and that brand equity that we've built, but do it in a way that it can be enjoyed by so many more people than just the people that dine in our restaurant. Yeah, I love that. I think that's great. Out of all the cocktails, what made you choose Cosmopolitan and Espresso Martini? Espresso Martini, by the way, has been my personal kick as of late. 
I think a lot of times, so ready to pour cocktails are definitely a trend that is growing. And I think it'll continue to grow. I mean, anytime you can take something and save somebody a little bit of time, even if it's just at a party, the making espresso martini or, you know, our cherry vanilla bourbon, that was where it started for us on our menu. It's the Elmo Cola. And it was the number one selling cocktail for close to a decade on our craft cocktail list. And so when we roll out an item, we basically look at the sales data and we go, well, our customers have told us of hundreds of thousands of transactions and drinks sold, you know, over a decade. We can look at it and go, everybody loves this flavor. We need to put this in a bottle. And when we make it, we just need to make sure that we make it as close to that as possible. So basically, we look at sales data. Again, classic old school steakhouse, but we're not flying by the seat of our pants or making gut decisions. We're making database decisions and then make sure that whoever we work with from a flavor standpoint and the R&D, we're partnering with the best industry experts that we can find to make sure that we can hit that same flavor profile that we create in the restaurants, we're putting that into a bottle. The quick answer is we look at sales data and then we look at our top performing cocktails. Then those are the ones that we're taking out to market. The espresso martini has been out for a week and a half and it's crushing sales. So it's been fun to watch. The old fashioned has really kind of taken off. It's one of the fastest selling spirits in the state of Indiana over the last two months, which has been our launch period. Yeah. So very cool. What are the current initiatives that you're working on right now with regard to these product launches? So what does it entail for you and your team to get the word out? Working with influencers, content creators, creating our own content. We've got several different photographers that we work with. We've got people who specialize in short form video creation versus maybe long form. And so really content creation on our part partnering with people who we know are going to say nice things about us and connecting us to the right people. Content creation is really the big thing right now. And aside from that, the biggest initiative to take things beyond Indiana, we're doing exceptionally well in Indiana, but we want these to be available to people anywhere. And so the biggest initiative on Spirits is for us to get set up with a group down in Florida. And why Florida? Because the group that we're partnering with there has figured out a distribution network to where they can get legally and compliance wise, get our spirits into 45 different states to where we can actually get products sold into these 45 states. So once that happens, then from a marketing standpoint, we can start doing some of these things and pushing out a message in a much wider audience as opposed to trying to geo-target the state of Indiana. So the people could buy these products from liquor stores and distribution, wherever it ends up being. So it's not that you can go to the St. Elmo's website and purchase it from there? Currently, it's available in Indianapolis, Indiana, basically all of Indiana. You're going to find all of these spirits in any Indiana liquor store, pretty mm -hmm. much, liquor or grocery stores. Beyond that, we're in Illinois, Michigan, Kentucky, Ohio, you know, a few states, but even that's just with one of the products so far because of the state registration and the legalities of getting set up in another state. The cliff notes is when prohibition went away, every state got to make up their own liquor laws. And that's why you have strange liquor laws from state to state. And Ohio is different from Michigan and they're both different from Indiana and so on. So it's definitely a fun, does not get boring type of challenge if that's what you're into from a business standpoint. But once right. we get set up with Florida with this group that has all these connections, essentially this distribution network that they've built out through partnered companies, then we'll be able to distribute our product and get that to 45 different states. And it'll be as easy as somebody going to stalmost.com, clicking on a link, and they'll be able to buy that and have it delivered in a pretty short amount of time. Right. Got it. That's cool. 
what type of people are you trying to attract with these products? Do you have a specific target audience in mind? Yeah, I think really our target audience is people that had that connection to St. Elmo. They dined here seven years ago and they really love that old fashioned because it hasn't changed since then. They're a fan of an espresso martini. And I think we're looking for people who ideally have had that connection to the restaurant. I think that's the easy button for us because we've already got that brand equity and they want to be connected to us and they want to support us and kind of share the experience that they had when they were here. They want to share that with other people. So that's the easy button. Beyond that, I think we've carved out a pretty cool niche in the market because a lot of groups are getting into ready-to-pour cocktails because they see that as a trend that's really taking off. But I almost feel like we're cheating in the sense that we get to look at 10 years of sales data of some of the most talent. I mean, any bartender that's coming up with a recipe that's getting on our menu has probably been a bartender for 10, 20, some of them 30 years. And so we've got this just tremendous experience and expertise in crafting really good cocktails. All of those really good cocktails that we've created, we get to pick the ones that sell the best. And then that's what we take to market as opposed to, I think, where it happens for most groups, which is they're going to hire a mixologist or the master distiller, and they're going to bring somebody into craft cocktails. And then they're going to spend however much time kind of doing back and forth. And at some point they're going to go, all right, this tastes good enough, but you're essentially making, at least as I envision it, the decision-making process is people have been trying cocktails for three hours straight. And then they finally go, this is it. Well, is it it? Or are you, maybe you're drunk. I don't know. (laughs) You've been drinking for three hours and then you got to make a decision on this cocktail, but I'm sure it's more technical than that. But yeah, we feel like we can take literally a century's worth of bartending experience and then look at the data to formulate really informed, almost can't miss decisions. Right. It's working so far. It obviously makes a lot of sense in that you're just giving the consumers what they're asking for, right? So it's like, if that's the most consumed and the most popular, then all you're doing is giving them what they ask for and hopefully at a bigger scale, so more people are able to grab it off the shelf. Yeah, it's a strange concept. Give people what they want and then price it at a very approachable, affordable price. Right. Marketing 101. Yeah, sometimes we make these things more complicated than we need to. The easy move would have been to capitalize on creating more St. Elmo's restaurants to capture revenue for more high-ticket dinners. But they did the opposite. They extended the brand experience and retail to make St. Elmo's more accessible. I'd argue, while that's a brilliant marketing move, it's a risky one, too, when you've built such a strong brand equity for over a century. There's a fine line for a brand to walk, offering products that add customer value without being a value brand. But they managed to pull it off. I love how Bryn talks about how it feels like cheating when they refer back to decades of sales data to really create the at-home experience and decide which products to sell. First, they're designed with diehard fans in mind, and then they extend to a new pool of customers via influencers and good old-fashioned, boots-on-the-ground sample marketing at events. The good news is, since this podcast recording, we can now buy directly from stelmos.com. They're ready to drink cocktails, so that's exciting. (music) 
So you mentioned before about doing some content creation. Can you just talk a little bit about what you've learned doing content creation? What works and what really doesn't work that you've seen? I think it's been an evolution of what's worked. I mean, when we were out early on with our social media, and if I add up all of the ways that we can reach people between email and content creation in terms of Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn, we can reach well over 100,000 people with the content that we're creating. And early on, I think it was easy because so many brands were horrible at it, that it was easy to be good at it. All you had to do was find an amazing photographer or somebody that could create cool and interesting videos. I think it's certainly gotten harder now because everybody's realized, you know, like when I was first running Facebook ads, I was getting a CPM of 10 cents per thousand people, Mm. 10 cents to reach a thousand people. If I could put this brain and go back in time, I would have started any CPG company on earth because the attention was so incredibly inexpensive. Well, now it's harder because more people are fighting for those eyeballs and everybody's gotten just better at creating content. So I think you've got to work a little bit harder to it to get it. So fast forward to where we're at today, I think you've got to really just add value to the community wherever you're in, whether that's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, LinkedIn, wherever, you've got to add value to that community because if you're not starting there, then if somebody doesn't click on it, if you don't get that engagement, your organic reach isn't there. And then you should just go back to traditional advertising. So really content creation is everything. And that's, I think the best content that we create and the stuff that's for us, at least micro viral over the years has been things where we're just having fun. Like we're genuinely enjoying the content that we're creating. And it's like, if you're in a pitch meeting with your team and you're not laughing and you're not enjoying yourself and you're not going, oh, that's going to hit. If you're not there, then you're probably just creating content for the sake of creating content, which I think brands do. I mean, we do that at times. Yeah. I mean, we had a piece of content one time, the NFL Combine has historically always been in Indianapolis. And a gal came in, somebody worked on my team and she came in and she's like, hey, Combine's next week. We haven't done anything for it. And I was just like, well, it popped into my head almost immediately. I'm like, meet me in the restaurant in 15 minutes. So we go over to St. Elmo. So NFL combine is how fast can this college player run? How high can you jump? How much can you bench press? So it's all these little drills and tactics and things to evaluate your performance. So it's basically people that come from college that go to the NFL draft. And this is almost like the evaluation period of those players. So we go over there with a phone, both of us with iPhones. And I had a server weave in and out of chairs holding shrimp cocktail, right? I have another person like with trays of steaks, like they're bench pressing, laying on a table. (laughs) We basically just had fun for like 20 minutes creating this content. I mean, we put it out on Twitter. We had in the hundreds of thousands of views, all these people in the NFL, they're running with it. And then local news outlets are jumping on. Fox is calling us going, hey, can we come in and film some of this server combine that you're doing? And we're like, ah, yeah, that's not a real thing. Like we were just playing around with our phones for 15 minutes, but we had news outlets literally covering this as like this real thing. Yeah. And that was just us having fun. So I think authentic, genuine content where you enjoy producing it is probably going to resonate with your audience. I think that's exactly the way great content is produced is just genuine. You're having fun. And it's like, if you're enjoying it, chances are people are going to enjoy watching it. And so I think that's right on. That's cool. I saw a clip about Tom Brady. Tell everybody about that. 
seeing almost that spot, you know, if we're in Chicago, there's probably a dozen restaurants very similar to St. Elmo. They've been there forever type of places that the celebrities are going to show up. So St. Elmo, we're kind of the spots. I mean, he's come into the restaurant in the past and during the Super Bowl that was in Indianapolis, Patriots and the Giants, we actually had like 30 players from the Giants eating on one floor and then had about 20 of the Patriots were on a different floor in the restaurant, eating at the same restaurant, same time when they've got a game five, six days down the road. And Brady came in. He just literally walked past everybody, had his hat down, knew where he was going, and just went straight to his seat. But yeah, I would say the biggest connection to our restaurant over the years has been Peyton Manning. So he's close friend to Craig and Steve Hughes, really good buddies with Craig Hughes, our CEO now. And Peyton's actually part owner in several of our restaurants. And he had a standing reservation after like every home game. I mean, he had his own elevator code to get into St. Elmo. Early on in his career, we just sit at the bar and nobody would bother him. And then when cell phone cameras became a thing and everybody wanted a selfie and yeah. it's kind of hard. And his popularity obviously grew and the success that he had for the Colts. So later in his career, he just wanted to have a steak and hang out with his friends and family. And so he actually had his own elevator code. So you could kind of come in almost like a side door. And the code was 1818. It wasn't rocket science. For anybody that would know Peyton Manning, you could have figured that out probably. But sometimes he would even have to text Craig, be like, hey, you know, I'm downstairs. See if you could send a server because nobody even knew he was in the building because he kind of snuck in and went to his usual table. But Jimmy Fallon and Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley and I mean, anybody that comes to Indianapolis for sporting events or concerts a lot of times finds their way into St. Elmo and it's almost become its own form of celebrity within the city because of that. I love it. Well, now you're just giving me an excuse to go visit. Yeah, well, we've got some shrimp cocktail on the way to you. Yay. So I believe it's going to show up tomorrow. So you'll have to oh, tell me what you think about it. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. But it's definitely weirdly spicy, inappropriate amounts of horseradish. So Bryn did come through with sending me fresh shrimp and the St. Elmo's cocktail sauce to try. And as a person who loves spicy things and I've had a million things in my lifetime that has seriously under-delivered, this cocktail sauce is the real deal. Just talking about it right now, it's giving me that thing that happens when you think about eating a lemon. It's like that's so spicy in the best way that's all up in your sinuses, wasabi kind of way. Oh, so good. All right, I digress. Let's get back to marketing. I do think everyone should adopt Bryn's rules for content creation because if it doesn't tickle you in some way, it's definitely not going to tickle anyone else. So at St. Elmo's, when they're doing it, they're having fun, they jump on opportunities that's going on in the city, and they don't overthink it. It's a great playbook to follow for social content. The persistent theme I'm picking up here is just keep things simple. Whether it's a long-standing menu item or social content, don't overcomplicate it. It's that simplicity that keeps people coming back to the St. Elmo's experience and it attracts the likes of Peyton Manning and other celebrities. But next, I'm going to ask for if I could have my own entrance code like Peyton. So one thing I talk about a lot on the podcast, and I'm curious about St. Elmo's is I believe as a brand strategist that every brand story is rooted in some sort of raw truth, meaning 
it's this fundamental and distinctive characteristic of a brand that's unchangeable by business objectives or marketing objectives. And I call it raw truth because sometimes it's not pretty. Sometimes it's a little hairy, but it's the truth. It's part of the brand DNA. So I'd love to understand from your perspective and working with the brand, what is St. Elmo's raw truth? It is very much St. Elmo Steakhouse's Indianapolis's restaurant. And everybody that's a part of it, that works with it and in it, we all realize and we know that St. Elmo's going to be around long after we're gone. And when Craig and Steve have moved on, whether they sell St. Elmo eventually or maybe they pass it on to their kids, whatever happens, St. Elmo is going to be around after I'm gone. And so I think everybody really feels kind of a reverence for the brand and really, really gives a shit about the brand and the people that represent it. And brands, in my opinion, a lot of times, they're trying to PR a version of a brand. And my favorite quote on branding is Tony Shea saying that your brand essentially is a lagging indicator of your company culture. The people inside of your company, that's your brand. So yep. St. Elmo as a brand isn't the restaurant as much as it's that server that's been there for 25 or 30 years guiding you through this dining experience and the fact that he really takes his job seriously. So if you don't show a server respect, they're not mm-hmm. ass kissers. This is their professional career yeah. that they've chosen and they take that very seriously and they make good money because of it. In India, this is kind of the pinnacle of the hospitality industry. So really, I think our brand is our people. And it's people that could have done a lot of different jobs, but they're here because they like it. And they're here because they truly enjoy it and have a lot of sense of pride and reverence for the brand. I think that's a really important point because, as you said, the brand will be around long after everybody there. And it's kind of like it's your responsibility right now to cultivate it, maintain it, its integrity and also move it forward however you can. But there is a reverence there and you have to kind of treat it as that. So I think that's really important. Why our brand is strong is because the people that work here and the people that dine with us, our patrons, just have so much of an emotional, strong, emotional, positive connection to our brand. That's why it's special. And I really think it starts with our service staff because the whole country is fighting a staffing crisis and we were able to fix ours Close to six months ago, we were fully staffed, and it's because we didn't lose a lot of people. And how you treat people in the short term and long term, I mean, when COVID first happened, everybody in the hospitality industry, rightly so, was effectively laid off or furloughed. So Craig and his father, Steve, I mean, they paid servers, literally everybody on our staff paid them the majority, in some cases, all of their salary for like the first two months when we didn't know what the hell was going on. And this was before PPP or anything. They basically went into their pockets for a seven-figure number that didn't start with a one with no expectation of that ever coming back. But they did it because that's the DNA of the company and take care of these people. And when you have a staffing crisis in the country and we're going, well, you know, our turnover is like four or 5% for most of our positions in hospitality when it's typically 150 or 200 or whatever that percentage is. So amazing. one of the things that kind of our internal culture pieces is never let the guest experience surpass the employee experience. And so we want to make sure that we're creating an experience for everybody that works with us that's as good or better 
than the experience that our patients get. And if we do that, they're going to kind of pay that forward with our consumers. And that's something that's super important to us. It's all about people, whether that's customers, whether that's our patrons, or whether that's people that work here. We are definitely in the people business. Write the headline of a glowing feature story about St. Elmo's in the future. Gosh, I think it would be St. Elmo cocktail sauce is in 10,000 grocery stores across the U.S. St. Elmo cocktails are in 20 state distribution throughout the Midwest. I think those are where we're headed. In terms of the restaurant, it will be one of the most iconic, famous restaurants in the world, still only has one location. I think that's important to who we are, our DNA, being true to who we are. Because if I was to use that, oh, it's all about the people and it's our service staff and it's that, if that was just lip service, then we'd go, all right, we'll have 15 different St. Elmo Steakhouses in five years. And that would be very attainable for us. I think the vast majority of them would be successful and we'd probably be making a hell of a lot more money, but we'd also be damaging the brand and cheapening the brand in the process. So I think St. Elmo expands on its history and tradition by staying true to its roots, whether that's expanding through retail, but at the same time, being very honest with who we are and not trying to overextend our brand. I mean, I'm in kind of a unique role because I lead the retail side of the company, which is seasoning and cocktail sauce and all of that, and now spirits. I'm also lead the marketing team for the restaurant. And I think that's been important because sometimes the right idea for the restaurant might not be the right idea for retail and vice versa. I mean, if we sold St. Elmo Steakhouse pumpernickel bread, we would sell a strange amount of pumpernickel bread in Indiana because we put our name on it, but at the same time, we're cheapening the brand. So we very much tried to stay true to the brand and be authentic. And if we do something in retail, there has to be a reason why. It has to be a top performer. There's got to be a story about it. There has to be some reason that that product exists, and it can't be because we can make money on it. It has to be filling a void or expanding upon a story that has been successful for us. Couldn't agree more. You're preaching to the <laughs> choir here. Well, we'll have to have you back for your next retail product launch. So when you move into something else, we'll have to have you back. Yeah, well, I'm sure this won't be the end of innovation for us on that front. And it's definitely been growing at a pretty quick pace. It's been a fun ride, but we'll be a lot different in the next five to 10 years for sure. So we'll just kind of keep expanding and hopefully soon you'll be able to buy cocktail sauce in your neighborhood. We're working on it. I can't wait. I literally can't wait to try it. And I'm going to find some excuse to go to Indianapolis now. <laughs> it's a cool city. It's a special place. It's big enough. I think one of the pieces about Indy that makes it really special is it's large enough that it can handle Final Fours. And the Super Bowl was still reviewed as one of the best Super Bowl venues that's been out there. It helped that it was February in Indianapolis and it was 60 degrees all week, which happened like one time, I think, in the history of Indiana. We lucked out there, but the city crushed it. And it's big enough that it can have these events. And I mean, the Indy 500 there's sometimes upwards of three, 400,000 people attending one sporting event. It can handle all of these things, but at the same time, it's small enough that the people really care when there is an event like a Super Bowl or a Final Four. Not people trying to compete, and I'm trying to beat this restaurant or that restaurant. We're all getting together in a room and going, how can, as a city, we can make sure to provide the best experience for anybody that's visiting, yeah. whether that means they're dining in our restaurant or somewhere else? How do we create the best? dining experience or hospitality experience or convention business, all of that, the whole city's really working together. And it's, so it's big enough that it can handle those giant events, but it's small enough that people actually care and really work to provide that really cool experience. 
I think you sometimes don't get that in some of the bigger cities. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's a great way to end on it. Thank you, Brent. I appreciate you. Thank you. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Well, that wraps up my conversation with Bryn Jones, the shrimp cocktail hype man. I absolutely loved learning about the legacy of St. Elmo's as a brand who has over a century of brand equity to build from. With such a strong foundation, all you need to do is pivot just enough to stay relevant. I want to leave you with a few key takeaways that you can apply to your business this week. Sometimes the best thing to do for your business is to perfect the thing that you want to sell or perfect the thing that you're good at and that's it. Combat shiny object syndrome by being obsessively good at the few things people want versus all the things. Secondly, when you have something that works, it's natural to want to scale it. But sometimes it's not about replicating, it's about curating. For St. Elmo's, rather than the restaurant expansion, they curated the famous elements such as the spicy sauce and the signature cocktails to make the dining experience accessible to anyone who wants it. They're proving that you could be a brand who adds value without being seen as a value brand. Third, following Bryn's simple formula for content creation is jump on relevant opportunities, don't overthink it, and have fun. If it doesn't move you in some way, it is not going to move anyone else either. Lastly, there is a remarkable reverence for the St. Elmo's brand by employees. Employees, they honor the history as well as they celebrate the people who are core to the St. Elmo's experience today, which are the servers. We've all had that dinner where a server guided us and made it so much more than simply eating a meal. But that starts at the company level. When all employees are highly regarded and respected, the patrons of St. Elmo's reap the benefits of that good company juju. Yeah, that's a technical business term. This has been an episode of Uncooked. I'm Jacqueline Lieberman, founder and chief strategist at Brand Crudo, a marketing consultancy. You can learn more about Bryn and St. Elmo's Restaurant and their products at stelmos.com. If you need help finding your raw truth to create differentiation and market, this is what I do every day. You can find my contact info on brandcrudo.com or the show notes. Thanks for listening.